Life is filled with opportunities. Just uh, share a few from my life. In um, 1975, the month was November, I had an opportunity to take my driver's license test, the written and the driven one, and I passed. Fast forward a little bit, I had an opportunity to, of course, graduate high school, and I did. That was in June of, no, May of 1977. And then in July of 1977, after my graduation, I had the opportunity to receive and accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I did receive Him at that time. I had previous opportunities, but I turned those down. Then later in the next year, in February of 1978, I had the opportunity to accept or not accept, which I did accept, God's call on my life to be a pastor. Then I had the opportunity to go to college. And in, <clears throat> while at that college, Bruton Parker, in June, I'm sorry, January of 1979, I had an opportunity to meet the woman that I would later marry in the same year. Then fast forward a lot of years. Let's just get through all of that. Let's fast forward. In May of 2014, I had to write that date down in crayon, by the way, because I could not remember the year, but in May of 2014, I had the opportunity to become your pastor, and now that has been over eight years ago. Life is filled with a lot of opportunities, and when we are presented with an opportunity, hopefully we will accept those opportunities that are life-changing opportunities. Now, some things that we do have the opportunity to do, they're not life-changing. They're, they're just not life-changing. They will change our life a little bit. Some other things that we decide to do can truly alter the course of our life and can make a huge difference in where we're heading, where we're going. And so today I want us to think about opportunities, specifically opportunities that center around, revolve around eternity. Because all of us were created by God to be eternal, meaning our spirit will never die. It will never die. Our spirit will live forever. And at some point we will receive a new post-death body, either in heaven or in hell. That's, that's the way God has created us. And so we have these opportunities on this side to make a difference, not just in our life, but in the lives of those around us. And so that's kind of been something that's driven me through all of my years of ministry. And we, we have the opportunity specifically to share the gospel message that Jesus is the only way to heaven with so many people in our life. Many of you know I do a lot of funerals. I did a funeral yesterday afternoon. And in this particular funeral, like every funeral that I do, you know what I always do? I always have an opportunity, and I take that opportunity to remind those there that Jesus is the only way to heaven. 
And I take that opportunity to also say in a loving, gracious, kind way, everybody doesn't go to heaven. By the way, have you ever been to a funeral where you heard someone say, Jimmy isn't in heaven today? Have you ever heard a pastor say, I believe Jimmy's burning in hell right now? I've never heard that. I've never said it either. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't really know a person's heart. But what I, I, I do know is Scripture is very clear. Everybody doesn't go to heaven. It's not like the movie a few years ago, All Dogs Go Where. They go to heaven. I don't know how they know that. We'll just let it go at that. But we have the opportunity to share our story of Jesus Christ with our family with our friends, with our neighbors, with our co-workers, with our classmates, with strangers. It, it, it is an endless opportunity for us, and yet it's not something we often take advantage of for whatever reason. And we talked about that yesterday, but I want you to think this morning about this. The opportunities that God gives us to share the gospel story, our story, hopefully, it has truly eternal consequences. And in some cases, the opportunity that you have or I have could very well be the last opportunity that person who is far from God will ever have to hear the gospel. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Now, we all know, we all know this, that we are born and we live and that we die. We all know that. But most of us tend to think we'll have more opportunities down the road. That we'll have another chance. And many times when we have an opportunity that, that we clearly see that door wide open, we say, hmm, I don't want to offend anybody, or I don't want to make them mad, or I don't want to think, to think I'm a holy roller, or you know, I don't want to push them further away from God. And we, whatever for whatever reason, we just don't take that opportunity. I remember years ago when Ron and I were in college, we were doing a, a youth weekend retreat. And at this particular retreat, all of these kids, teenagers were coming. And one kid came up on his bike. He, he occasionally attended that particular church. He was known for being kind of a rough kid. He didn't know Christ. From everything that the others there had said, he came to a fun event. And then later that afternoon, this 14-year-old young man, while riding his bike, was hit and killed by a car. None of us could have ever foreseen that. You see, at that moment, we had had an opportunity, and we had an opportunity, and we, we just never know what life may hold. Whether you're a child or a teenager or a young adult, a middle-aged adult, or a grumpy old man, we just don't know. And so today I want you to just think with me as you listen to God's Spirit 
about the opportunities that God gives us to share the gospel story. In John 4, John 4, I almost said 14, John 4, <clears throat> we've been in this all month long. This is the last Sunday, by the way, we're going to camp out in John 4. But I've selected different scriptures for each of these three messages. And today, I want us to think about Jesus' conversation with this Samaritan woman. So just to remind you, in case you've not been here or have forgotten, Jesus is traveling from the Jerusalem area back to his home area in Galilee, north. He's traveling north. And rather than taking the long way around, Jesus purposefully went through Samaria. Half Jewish, half Gentile people lived there. They called it Samaria. And they came upon Jacob's well. That's what it was known, the Jacob's well, the well that Jacob dug. And Jesus sat down by this well, and this woman from the town of Samaria in this town she came up to draw some water, and Jesus started a conversation with her. And we've talked about in the past couple of weeks how that was not normal for a Jewish man, first to speak to a woman, but secondly to speak to a Samaritan woman. It just broke all of the social protocols of the day. But he spoke to her because Jesus had an opportunity to share who he was and how he could change her life, not just here on this earth, but for eternity. And he started out the conversation about water. Why did he do that? Well, they're at a well. And what do you do at a well? You get water. And everybody needs water. And Jesus said to her that he had some water that she could have that would quench her every thirst. And that intrigued her. I want us to start reading in verse 11. And this is what she said after he said to her that he had this amazing water to give her. She said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? And that's an interesting statement, isn't it? I mean, here's Jesus sitting by the well. He clearly has no bucket. And in her mind, she's thinking the water was going to come from Jacob's well. And then her mind went to, you don't even have a bucket. Not only do you not have a bucket, the well's deep. You don't have a rope. So how in the world are you going to get water from this well without the right equipment? Then she said to, to Jesus, you aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Notice what Jesus then said to her. Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Y'all know what I do and you do every day? We all drink water. How many of you buy bottled water? I buy bottled water every now and then. Why do we buy bottled water? Because it tastes better, right? And then we take those little plastic things and we squash them and we throw them away. There are a few of us, though, who go to the tap and turn on the spigot and put a glass under it and we drink it. I drink the water occasionally and often just like that from my own house. It's Douglas County water. It's disgusting. 
I don't know what they put in it, but it doesn't taste good, and I don't think it's the pipes in our house. Maybe it is. So we take the water and we filter it and put it in the fridge, but every now and then I'm too lazy to go to the refrigerator and get out that thing, and I just get it straight from the tap. Many of us, when we were children, we would go out in our yard after playing hard and working hard, and we would turn on the spigot from the hose we would drink water. It was gross. That may be one reason today we have so many problems. I don't know. Maybe it's not. We, we drink water. We need water. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks water from this well will still get thirsty. See, by the end of the day, all of us are going to get thirsty. Jesus wasn't talking to her about physical water. He wasn't talking about the elements, hydrogen two parts, oxygen one part. Jesus was saying, woman, you need spiritual water. And I got that. But he's not there yet with her. So he said, whoever drinks this water will get thirsty again. In fact, the water, Jesus said, I give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Jesus was saying, woman, I have something to give to you and everybody else who would believe spiritual water that will quench your deepest spiritual need. And that is separation from God. I can give you peace with God. I can give you something that will last you through eternity. Now, when you have spiritual discussions with people, they often can't make that leap. They just kind of don't understand it. So here in this story, when she heard this, verse 15, she said, Sir... Notice how she says to him, Sir, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. See, she still doesn't get it. She's still not understanding what Jesus is saying to her. I'm emphasizing this because when you or I have spiritual discussions with somebody, They don't understand it like we do. It's kind of like a mechanic trying to explain something to someone who doesn't understand mechanics. How many of you have ever gone to the garage and made the sound that your car or truck made to the mechanic? I think that mechanics might even enjoy that conversation. Maybe when they have their lunch breaks, when they get off by themselves, they share all of the crazy stories that folks who know nothing about a car make when they come into the garage. I don't know. This woman just didn't get it, but she's not alone. You see, most people don't understand the things of God. And there's a reason for that, and I'm going to get to it in just a minute, but I want to just give you the brief nail answer to the reason why, the reason why 
is because someone who is not saved, not born again, not on their way to heaven, they don't understand the spiritual things of God because they've not yet been born again. They first need to understand they are lost and they need Christ first to understand the deeper spiritual truths. See, it starts with being saved and then you grow from there. She's not yet there and she just can't figure this out. And so as you get through the rest of this story, and I'll just tell you what happens. Jesus then said to her, okay, let's just change course a little bit. He said, go get your husband. She said, well, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, yeah, that's right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And you're living with one now who's not your husband. But you know what Jesus didn't do here? He did not condemn her at that point. He didn't say, you're just a sinful, bad woman. Look at you. You have had five men in your life. What is wrong with you? He just, didn't, he just said, let me tell you a little bit. And then she said, oh my gosh, you're a prophet. How do you know that about me? You've never met me before. And the more they talked, this is what happened. The Spirit of God began to convict this woman in her own spirit that she wasn't right and that she needed something she could not get on her own. And that something was a relationship with the living God. And she went back into town, and she told the townspeople, you will not believe what just happened. And they said, what? We don't really know what the townspeople thought of this woman. I mean, we, we don't. They may have, some may have said, oh, you're great. Some may have said, here she comes again. But for whatever they may have thought when they saw her and they listened to her, they were intrigued and curious. And the town came out to Jesus and said, this woman's told us some pretty interesting stuff. What's going on? He actually spent a few days there telling them about the things of God. And the scripture says that many believed in him. Here's what I want us to see. Jesus had an opportunity to share the gospel truth with one person who then went and told other people who then were interested and came to Jesus to hear more about the gospel story, resulting in many more believing. You see, that's the way it really works. Me, you, taking the opportunities that God gives us to share the truth, to share the gospel, to share the story, who are then convicted by the Holy Spirit, who receive Christ, and then they go tell other people, and guess what? Jesus said this himself, lift me up and I will draw others to me. See, in our church, we're not here to lift up me. We're not here to lift up Angie or Becky or the choir or any other individual. We're not here to lift up what we do as a church. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus and his name only. 
We can't attract people like Jesus can. His message is really all that matters. And so with that understanding, what is sharing our faith? What is sharing the story? This is what it's not. It's not, it's not kind of like a, it's not an argument. We're not there to argue with people. We're not there to point our finger. We're not even there to persuade them to, with an eloquent argument or debate, convince them they need to come to Jesus. Do you know why? Because we need to let the Holy Spirit of God take the message of truth and pierce the heart, the mind, and the spirit of someone far from God. And guess what? We can't do that. Our job is to just share it and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit can do and only can do. When Jesus shared the story, God spoke to this woman and said, you're in the presence of the Son of God. And, and she, she listened. But not everybody listens. And some people, when we share our story, we so want them to receive Christ, we may push and push and push and push, but we need to just step back and let the gospel speak for itself. So it's not that. It's not a numbers game. The gospel and the sharing of our faith, it is something God wants us to do. He commanded us to do it. He wa- it is in Scripture that we are to make disciples. It's also the result of you or me being filled with the Spirit of God on a daily basis. We, we say, I know who I am and I want others to understand and experience this peace that I have. It's a desire deep within our own heart. It's an honor to do it. And it's very serious work. Because the work that we have, this privilege, this opportunity, it does have eternal consequences. I am occasionally reminded in my life of the opportunities God has given me. And one was a hospice patient many years ago, some 12 years ago, where he asked me, he asked me, what do I need to do to go to heaven? And I shared the gospel with him. And then I asked him, what would you like to do about that? Would you like to ask Jesus today to be your Savior? And he looked at me and said, no, not today. I simply asked, why? Because that puzzled me. He said, I'm just not ready Now, in my brain, I'm thinking, you're on hospice. You're not like close, close to dead, but you're a lot closer to dead than I am. So I don't understand that. Help me understand that. And he said, well, I'm just not ready yet. See, here's the spiritual battle. Jesus talked about it in the parable of the sower. So the farmer sows the seed and some falls on hard ground, thorny ground, rocky ground, and then good soil. This man's heart, while not completely hardened, 
was mostly hard. And, and he still was interested. The Spirit of God was still speaking to him and leading him to be open. And in my case, I sowed that seed. And the devil came and plucked it out of his heart. And his heart just became harder. Now, I don't know if he ever did receive Christ because he died a week later. I don't know. But it was an opportunity that I had, and I'm grateful I took that opportunity. See, we all have opportunities. It's a privilege, and it's serious business. So with all of that said, how do we make the most out of it? A lot of us struggle with sharing the gospel story. I want to just say this to all of us today. When you do, first and foremost, I said this last week, know your story. You have a story. We all have a story. What did we talk about at the beginning of the service, mid, well, right before the prayer time? We talked about F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L. And in case you can't spell, football. We talked a little bit about football because many of us here are football fans. Football fans talk about what? Football. Many of us talk about our family. On your phones and in your home, there are pictures galore. And if you're like my wife, there are thousands of pictures on her phone and videos. There's nothing wrong with that. And do you know what I often do when I'm sitting with hospice patients? I'll pull my phone out and I'll say, here's my family. And I'll talk about my daughters and my wife and the grandchildren. And I'll show them pictures. And I'll tell them stories. You see, we talk about so many things, but we often find it hard to share our faith with somebody. I'm just encouraging you to say or ask, God, help me share my story, your story, the day you accepted Christ, the reason you accepted Christ, and what Jesus has been doing in your life since. That's your story. Just share it. Nobody will bite you. If they do, smile. Just go, okay, I won't do that anymore. You've had your chance. This was your one and last opportunity. I'm kidding. Don't fear what might happen. And when you need to go a little further than your story, meaning you get real serious about it, have a very simple plan. You know, in Vacation Bible School, those of you who have ever worked in it, you know Thursday night is like gospel night. And it's always this, A, B, C. Admit you're a sinner. B, believe in Jesus. C, confess. Very simple. Just have a simple plan in your hip pocket and just say, I am going to share with you that God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. And you can relate it to your own story. God's plan is this, John 3, 16. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not what? Tell me. Perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Every single one of you knows that verse. And that's God's plan. God wants people to know Him and to be in a relationship with Him. And when you share your story, your salvation story, you can say, I was headed down a bad path. Or I wasn't headed down the right path. I was looking for all the wrong or the right things in the wrong places. I don't care how you say it. It's your story. You say, God wanted for me to live forever in heaven. But I was wondering and doing all of this. And somewhere along the way, God finally got my attention. And he shared with me, he let me know that I have a problem. And the problem is my sin. My sin. You you know, most of us here, I don't think, to my knowledge, we don't have any really bad people here. Like murderers. You know, like serial killers and nobody knows about it. I don't think there's anybody here you're actively embezzling money or anything like that. You're not involved in extortion. You're not in the mafia. Okay, the mafia here would be the redneck mafia. I mean, you're just, we're all fairly normal people. To my knowledge, there's nobody here. You were never a prostitute or a, or a pimp or a drug dealer. Yeah, I said those words. You, you may say, I'm just normal. I'm not like, see, we categorize things. We say there's bad people, and then there's normal people that are mostly good people. But the reality of Scripture is that we are all sinners. We've all sinned once at least. But I don't think there's anybody in this room could say, I am so proud. I've only sinned one time my whole life. If, if you've said that, you just sinned twice because you lied. See, Scripture says the wages of sin is death. Scripture says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when you're sharing your story, you're saying, I realized, even though I was pretty good, even though I helped people and I went to church or I did whatever, I realized that all of the things that I'd ever did to disobey God, and you can share some examples if you want to, that separated me from God. And God said you can't come into heaven because of that sin. But you see, part of the the story you have and all of us have is not just God's plan and not just our sin, but God's love for us was so great, He had a solution for our sin to be forgiven. The book of Romans says it this way, God demonstrated His love for us in that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. 
Jesus died for Sam Braswell because he loved Sam Braswell. And if I was the only person on the earth, Jesus would have done that. And God's solution doesn't mean everybody goes to heaven. We know this. Just because I know about Jesus doesn't mean I know Jesus. I mean, I know many of you by name. Most all of you by name. But, but I don't really know a lot about many of you. Some of you, if I came into your home and, and said, I think I'd like to stay for a week. First, first and, and this is really funny to me, because a lot of people, when they get around the pastor, they're on their best behavior. And there's moments when I've been in certain places and I've, you know, nobody knew I was there and I came around a corner and I've heard the conversation. I mean, I just smile and go, didn't know that about you. Not that it was bad, but it's not something you would normally talk about in front of the preacher. And here's the thing. I'm just a guy. God is God, and we do that in front of God all the time. And that's just called sin. And so God is, a, we are all a work in progress. And so we know that in our story we're sharing God loves me, God wants me to go to heaven, but my sin keeps me out of heaven. That's why Jesus died for me. And that's why he was buried and raised from the dead, so that I could be forgiven and that my life could be changed. But it wasn't that knowledge that changed me. This is what changed me. It's what I did with that knowledge. I had to receive him. Romans 10, 9 says, and 13, that we... We confess Jesus. We admit that I'm a sinner. We say, I received him. I invited Jesus into my life, into my heart. I asked Jesus to forgive me and change me. Whatever words you put on it, it's not the words, but rather it's a heart condition and decision. And so we're, we're sharing our story. We're sharing scripture. And when we do those things, we're making a difference and making the most of the opportunities that God gives us. So I want to just say this. You know, I probably should just finish this next week because this is so doggone important, and I don't even know what time it is. Okay, I see what time it is. But some of you aren't going to be here next week. Let me just truck through this really quick. I'm just going to say this very quickly. This means you've got to pray. You've got to pray that God would give you opportunities. You've got to pray that God would speak to the person that gives that you're having the opportunity for and with. And you've got to pray that the devil wouldn't steal that seed. You've got to listen to God as you go throughout the day. And if God opens the door, you go through that door. You take that opportunity and you don't worry about the consequences of their decision. That's their decision, not yours. You just have to be faithful in sharing your story. You pray for them. You, you take the opportunity. You let God do what he wants to do. And just like Jesus, there may be times when you have to find some common ground with somebody. Get to know them a little bit. Talk about what they want to talk about with. And then when God says, go through the door, you go through it. I want to say a football thing so bad, but I won't. It's kind of like a running back. Let me just do it. It makes sense. 
here's the offensive line and the defensive line, and you've got the ball as the guy that's going to run that football. And when you look at the wall in front of you, you go, I can't go through that. But when that one guy on your team pushes the other guy a little bit out of the way, and your brain says, there's a door, go through it. It ain't big, but go through it. And you go through it. And then there's another guy coming, and he does, and you, you just keep going. You've got to go through the door that God opens. It may not be a big door. Just go through the door. Take that opportunity and make the most of it. So, with that said, for those of you who have children, I want you just to do this with your kids. Pray for your child every day of your life to know Jesus Christ, not just as their Savior, but for their spiritual growth. Ron and I pray for our daughters every single day, not to know Jesus, but to follow Jesus. Before they were Christians, we prayed for them daily to know Jesus as Savior. Pray for your children and let them hear you pray. And don't just pray for them. Tell them about Scripture. And then as the parent, you need to model Scripture to them and for them. We've all heard this term, hypocrite. In your home, that's where we really let our hair down. If y'all really want to know who I am, Behind closed doors, you could talk to Rhonda or any of my daughters because they probably see more of the real me. Now, what you see is real, but sometimes I'm not like the guy you might think I am because I still have stuff I'm working on. Katie, behave. She's got stuff on me. No. What I'm saying is we have to live for Jesus at home. We've got to, to say to our children and for our children, I want you to know Christ, and I'm praying for you to be saved, but I've got to model what it means to be a follower of Jesus in my house. And we don't do that perfectly. Share the gospel with your children. Tell them Jesus lived. Tell them Jesus died. Tell them Jesus was buried. Tell them Jesus is the only way to heaven. Talk about it in your home regularly, consistently. Encourage them. Listen to them. Guide them. Don't worry about messing up. You know, we all messed up. I mean, just look in the mirror. We all messed up. You may think, I might say the wrong thing. I might do the wrong thing. It's better to do something with your children than nothing. You, you, you've got to just step out with your kids and say, I love you enough to say what needs to be said. Because I would rather you take that chance than to keep your mouth shut and never talk about Jesus with your children or your grandchildren and let them truly mess up. Because there's a lot of messed up kids today. A lot of messed up kids. They need to hear about the one who can truly change their life for eternity. So with all of that said, I'm going to just wrap it up. 
I'm going to respect your time. You look like you're tired. So I'm going to respect that. And I'm just going to say this final thing to you and me both. When each and every one of us learn to become thankful, really thankful for the opportunity to share the story of Jesus Christ, we have the greatest opportunity to truly change someone's life for eternity. I hope you think about that this week. That you will just step back and say, God, it scares the living daylights out of me to share my story with anybody. God, eternity hangs in the balance. Help me overcome that and take the opportunities you give me to make a difference in somebody's life. See, that means more than anything to someone who's lost and dying. Let's pray together.